What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trail Blazers reporter, Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Why do you make this show your first listen every day? Free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you every single weekday. Start each and every weekday listening to Locked On Blazers, make it your very first listen. Today's show, mailbag episode. We're going to answer listeners some of the questions all episode long. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag episode, the number one best way, tried and true method to get a mailbag question in the show is to email me, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com is my email address, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. One more time for you, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Also on mailbag days, I send out a tweet. Uh, I will, my uh, Twitter handle's at Mike G Rich, and I'll send out a tweet uh, soliciting questions. If you respond to the question, I'll get you in the show or a future show. Future show is a big one here. I'm only going to use one from from the all the Twitter responses I got today, but I got a bunch. I got a bunch of fun ones, and we do this every day. So I'll just we're going to do a mailbag next week, and I'll use a bunch of uh, the ones I got from tw- Twitter. Um, if you want to go respond to that tweet, it's it'll be top of my feed. Probably not going to tweet anything else for the next twenty four hours. So find me there at Mike G Rich on Twitter, or just scroll until you see it. It's it'll it will be obvious, but email absolutely the best way to do so. Uh, before we jump into the mailbag, some news from Blazerland. The Portland Trailblazers announced today that Shaden Sharp will not need surgery on his injured shoulder. That's wonderful news. That is just wonderful news. Uh, it's It was, you know, uh, Sharp got her five and a half minutes into summer league and the Blazers were, were always going to be cautious, but they were calling it a small, te- small labral tear, like a small tear in his shoulder. Uh, it's, you know, obviously they didn't want to do surgery, but a lot of labral tears kind of end that way. And I was nervous that it might, uh, you know, you're talking four, six, eight months, depending on the, the, the severity of the tear. If, if, if there is a surgical option, no surgery means that chain sharps likely going to be available and ready to go, or at least according to the team should be ready to go when, when we get to training camp in the fall. So this is great news. Sharp just needs, he needs time. He needs to play. He needs, he needs he needs to be able to be on the court and like having him miss a big chunk of the regular season would set him back even further. And like, just like logistically, if he comes back 20, if he were to have surgery and come back, you know, 20 games in the season or whatever, it's just harder to drop him into, Hey, you're going to play. Cause you're, you've already established rotations and established that type of stuff. If he's ready to go day one in training camp, it's easier to sneak him in and, and try to figure out where he plays early in the season and see what you got. Cause that's the most exciting thing about Shane Sharp. I don't know that we know what the Blazers have, and you want to see him on the court. So good news. Um, happy that Shaden's not going to have surgery, and we're going to get to see him. Um, wish we'd seen him in summer league. Can't, cannot wait. Most fascinating player on the roster. Cannot wait to see that young man play. All right, let's get into some mailbag questions. This first one comes from Dr. J, who asks, how do we assess Joe Cronin's first shot at retooling the roster and, and, and going all the way back to uh, to the trade deadline and the first moves Joe Cronin made to where we are now. And Dr. J notes that we, and that's a collective pronoun for those of you scoring at home, we sent out Norman Powell, CJ McCollum, Robert Covington, and Larry Nance, of which Robert Covington was not coming back. And we got back that are still with us to this date, a bad team that helped us get the number seven overall pick. The number seven overall pick was Shaden Sharp. Josh Hart, Grant, who that was acquired via the, via the trade of player exception. That was part of the CJ McCollum trade. Justice Winslow, part of the Norman Palroco trade. Keon Johnson, same trade. Didi Luzada, who was also part of that New Orleans trade. And the 57th pick in the draft that was acquired in the Joe Ingles deal with Utah. So the Blazers end up with 
Shane Sharp, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, Didi Luzada, and Jabari Walker. And they sent out Norm, CJ, Rocco, and Larry Nance. Also, Tony Snell. Tony Snell didn't make Dr. J's email. Dr. J, come on, dog. Uh, so how do how do we assess it? Uh, I, I do think when you get further away, you see that the p- sort of pieces stacked on top of each other, and, and very intentionally so. The Norman Powell Rocco thing was a roster was a, excuse me was a salary dump. It was absolutely to save money. Justice Winslow, a nice little piece from that salary dump, right? Like he's he's like a potential. I think he's going to play early on. Uh, like he's a he's a rotation player for dumping two ro- t- dumping two like legitimately good NBA players in Rocco and and Norm and you get back one run rotation piece but it was a salary dump and it allowed the Blazers to do what they do and now they're like a million and a half or a million 1.2 1.4 something in that range just above the salary cap pushing up against the tax apron they basically spent all the money they possibly could so dumping that salary allowed them to do so the New Orleans Pelicans trade seems very very, very specifically designed to acquire Jeremy Grant. They made a trade that perfectly fit Grant's salary within like $9,000 of the traded player exception they created by including Larry Nance in that trade. It, it allowed them to create that traded player exception. Seems very intentional. All of these steps seem very intentional. Now, you might not like, you might not love the roster. I don't love the roster, quite frankly. I, I, I've i said this before, I'll say it again. Like, I like the Blazers players. I really like Gary Payton. I, I, I really like Josh Hart. Um, uh, I, I think I've talked myself into liking Jeremy Grant, although I'm not a, a super big fan. But like, I like Trendon Watford. I really like Jabari Walker. I'm excited to see Ant in a in like a big old role this year on a team that expects to be good. Damian Lillard has brought me as much joy as anyone in the NBA ever has watching him play. Like, I like the Blazers. I like the Blazers. I like the Blazers roster. Like I like their players. I like the players, but I don't know if I love like the team. I don't know if I love like the sort of collective group they have. But I I, I do legitimately. Um, I I'm I, I do like. I sort of like the group, but I don't like the group collectively. And so I think how I assess Cronin is is in a couple ways. One, I think he did fine. Uh, you know, I like. I'm from an era of grade inflation. Like, um, if you grew up when I did, C's were bad grades, most parts, in, in, at least in my neck of the woods. So, like, a, a B minus is a bad grade. And I, I probably give Joe, like, a solid B. I think it was a solid B. I took care of, you know, retained the players he retained. Um, you know, maybe maybe overpaid a little bit for, for for both of them. But you want to just keep good players in the roster. I like I like the Jeremy Grant move. I like the, I like the Gary Payton move. I don't know if I love it all collectively, but like I said, I, I, a B. I think, he gets a, I think he gets a solid B from me, but I also don't think he's done. Uh, I talked about this with a friend who, who follows the team relatively closely, and he was like, um, I'll give him a shout out. We'll call him Jen's husband. Um, and Jen's husband said uh, that, that uh, the Blazers almost assuredly are setting themselves up for a trade. Like, there's just, there's no way this roster goes forward. No way. This was some three weeks ago when we had this conversation. No way. It's like they're just whatever it is, like whether it's in December or January or at the deadline of February, there is no way that like this team looks the same after the trade deadline. And I, and I agree. And then today in a radio spot on uh, 1080 the Fan on Dirt and Sprague, your morning television show with with Andy Dirt Johnson and Brandon Sprague, 6 to 9 a.m. on 1080. That's a real radio plug if you're listening out there. Sprague, that one's for you. You're still number three all time. Uh, but... Cronin in that radio spot, also Joe Cronin doing local media hits. How about it? But Cronin said like that he's 
that it's impossible to say the roster is ever finished. And part of the reason it's ever finished is because he looks at the team and he it was he was relatively honest with this response. He kind of hedged a little bit at the end of the response. But like, it's hard to put like big, bold goals on it when you look at the roster. So what you want to do is say, Dame's pretty good. We've got some parts that are pretty good. What else do we need? Like, it's coming. A trade's coming. So I would say to this stage, I'll give him a B. He's talked about it taking multiple cycles. When we get back to that next cycle, which is like trade season, like truly starts at the calendar flip. Uh, there might be some big trades in, in December. Like Kevin Durant might get trade in December. We'll see what happens. Uh, but like typically uh, January, like in, of the new years when the calendar, when like trade season honestly and, and earnestly begins in the NBA. After January 15th, everyone in the league basically can be traded. So that's when it really opens up is that month from January 15th to February 15th. That's time. I think we'll revisit this then. So right now it's a B, and I think it has a chance if this, you know, things seem to have built off each other. Joe Joe Cronin has taken some pretty intentional steps. If that continues to happen, and he can continue to upgrade this roster with some incremental moves, something his predecessor was very good at, we could bump this up to a B plus A minus. I think that's I think that's totally real. Now I think it's like he did pretty well. I just don't love all of the fits. And I want to talk a little bit more about those fits uh, later in the show. Uh, I also got a couple more questions I will answer in the second segment. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar that there is. They got a couple new really, really fun, yummy flavors. Today, I was snacking on the Cookie Dough Puff Built Bar. Uh, That's rocking 15 grams of protein, just 130 calories. Uh, It is a chocolate-covered, marshmallowy protein bar with real cookie dough bits on top of it. Uh, I don't think you're going to find something similar out there, so don't look. Instead, go to Built.com, get something that tastes great and packs a punch. And while you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right. Shall we keep a rolling on this glorious special delivery mailbag? A reminder, if you want to get involved in a future mailbag, the best way to do so at uh, sending me an email, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. This next question comes from that very inbox, comes from Casey, who asks, do you think Jared Vanderbilt could be available for the right price? What would that price look like? Is it Keon, DD, and second round picks? Don't think that's the right price. Yeah, Jared Vanderbilt seems to be the name that's being bandied about for the Blazers, and I think the obvious reason why, I don't exactly know where this started, so if someone does know where it started, I apologize. Um, you could tell me where this, I don't know if it's a rumor, I think it's an interest, it's a just collective interest from the Blazers has started. Um, or Blazer fans, not the team, Blazer fans has started. Uh, but Jared Vanderbilt's good, and he's like exactly the type of player the Blazers need. Uh, he's he's really limited on offense, but he's a really good rebounder. He's really long on defense. He can guard a lot of different positions. Like he guarded Anthony Simons in the matchup this year, and I thought he did a really good job against him. He's kind of a center, also. Like, but he can guard. Like he can he can really guard a lot of different spots. He plays hard as hell. He's really fun. Like he's a fun player, even with basically zero offense. Like he can dunk and he gets rebounds and he can roll to the rim a little bit. Um, Okay, cutter, but like no individual offense. You can't throw him the ball and have him do anything. And he he plays for the Jazz. Uh, if you don't know who Jared Vanderbilt is, he was acquired. The Jazz acquired him in the Rudy Gobert trade. I don't really understand why he would be available. Uh, obviously, the Jazz are blowing things up, and anyone could be available. Literally, any player on the roster could be available. So, so that's uh, reason number one. But they don't. 
uh, if they do tear it down, like if they, and then I think they will trade Donovan Mitchell. I think that's that's going to happen. I think they are going to be bad on purpose. Like I think they're going to be a bad team on purpose. Um, and it's going to they're going to have a boatload of draft picks and they get to retool. And Danny Ainge has done this before, so maybe you're celebrating his return back to the great state of Utah, the Beehive State, to work his magic yet again. But I don't think. Well, one, I just like don't. I think I don't put much value on. I don't think Deidre Lazada is an NBA player, and I'm not a big Keon Johnson guy. Like I'll just put my cards on the table other people like him more than i do i don't i to me he's not like a really tantalizing prospect he's a really good athlete who has some defensive potential but um i don't i don't necessarily see see it with keon he's flashing lights for other people maybe they go off a little brighter for me they don't necessarily so i don't really value that package very well but so like Jared Vanderbilt's good and he could help, which means that if the Jazz do want to trade him, they could very likely get a better return than that. I'm not 100% sure, but it seems like they get a better return than that. And they don't need to trade him. They don't need to trade him. Uh, they don't. He's 23. And Jared Vanderbilt is not like he's good and fun, but he's a role player. Um, the Jazz can still be the worst team in the NBA if Jared Vanderbilt's on the roster. He's not going to prevent that. Um, as good as he is on defense, as good as he is as a rebounder. Like he's not going to prevent them from being the worst team in the NBA if they want to be. Uh, they can keep him there. He's 23 years old. Um, he, I would assume that he has real value to teams that want to be good because of his like skills as a role player. I don't think the Blazers with with like specifically that package can get very cl- get close. Uh, and I think the Jazz don't need to rush on that one. So I, I like like the Blazers need length. They need exactly Jared Vanderbilt. He would be awesome on this team, and I'm all for it. But I don't see that package, or I don't really see a package the Blazers could offer that isn't like Nizir Little, which I would be skeptical of doing personally. Um, like to to flip to Utah, that would be appealing. If you would trade Nizir Little for Jared Vanderbilt, sure, go for it. I, I think I think that's kind of the that's where the the asking price maybe should would what I would guess it would start in that range because the the Jazz also want to get good players on their team. <laughs> That is also their plan, and if they are going to like truly fire sale it, they're going to open up the bidding, and they're not going to have to take you know two seconds in Keon Johnson for 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 a, a good twenty three year old basketball player. Next question comes from Aaron, who asks, "How do you see the summer league defensive success?" translating to the regular season. And Aaron notes in this email that the Blazers were the only team to hold the summer Knicks under 100 points, and they hold them to under 80 in both games. One of the really good defensive teams. I think the simple answer to this question is that it doesn't translate at all and doesn't mean anything. And I mean that. I mean that for a variety of reasons. Miles McBride and Quentin Grimes are not the Knicks' starting backcourt. Jericho Sims is like the third center on the Knicks. This is the end of the Knicks bench. And for the Blazers, are any of the dudes who played at the end of Summer League part of, like, the real rotation? I think Jabari Walker will get some random burn early in the year to to figure out whether he is or is not. Um, I don't think he's going to be part of, like, the day one rotation, but I think he's, like, you know, typically how it works with rookies is you know, games six through 10, you kind of give them spot minutes in there. And if they pop, you say, okay, let's, let's ride this out a little bit longer, you know, like get them on the court early, see what you got and figure it out from there. And if they're not any good, bury them and have them do their work behind the scenes, get better and, um, you know, be ready for other opportunities when they come. I think it's pretty typical. Uh, Trent Watford is probably going to be part of the early rotation, but he will be, he'll be on the fringe of it regardless. And he was a really good player in summer league. The other dudes aren't going to play. Um, you know, some of those guys aren't on the team, but but like Keon's not going to play, Didi's not going to play, Greg Brown's not going to play. Uh, it, it's just not translatable. 
what is translatable from Summer League. And it's what I said after game one of Summer League. Now I'm citing my own stuff, which I kind of find embarrassing, but I already did it, so here we go. We saw what the Blazers want to do. The thing that translates is the sort of culture of it, you're hoping, like that they were kind of like obsessed with playing a bunch of different styles and aggressive defense and playing hard defense and like it was like their summer identity. You're hoping that culture of sort of defensive accountability comes to the regular season with literally an entirely new cast of characters, right? Because it's just like the summer Blazers are not the fall and spring Blazers, uh, fall, winter and spring Blazers. Um, it, it, it ain't the same. And two, schematically, I think the scheme is what translates. What did we see in Summer League? We saw a team that played a bunch of zone. I think the players are going to play a bunch of zone. They played at the bunch at the end of last season. They played it in summer. They're going to play zone. Uh, I've talked to Chauncey Billups about this. He thinks it's a good wild card to throw teams as kind of like switch things up. Um, you got to match up and be smart in zone. The Blazers were really bad at it early in the year with when everybody was healthy. They were um, slightly better at it later in the year with like, the tank team, but still not very good at it. But again, it's like whole new cast of characters. It's more scheme than folks. And then they, they, they're going to switch a bunch and they're going to play aggressive defense, uh, varying levels of aggressive, sometimes super aggressive trap, sometimes kind of um, show and recover, sometimes trap. And then uh, kind of somebody helps behind and then you recover to the corner and scramble. Like they're going to play varying levels of aggressive defense and varying levels of showing defense. And they're going to switch a whole bunch. That stuff they showed in Summer League and that stuff translates. The the sort of the things that you can hope carry over are the culture of defensive accountability and the schematic stuff that I think the summer team was pretty good at. Um, and I don't read too much into it because the quality on the other side isn't very good, but they played great defense and won the damn Summer League championship. It was pretty entertaining. Sure. Sure. Also, Quentin Grimes and Miles McBride were taking pull-up threes in transition, and it's not NBA basketball. It's adjacent to NBA basketball. It's professional basketball at a lower level. So yeah, I, like I, a couple people asked about the summer league and were excited about the way the Blazers played. They played well and it's like, have fun with it, but you don't, it's like why I say hold tightly to your joy. Like that is a joy you should hold tightly to. The summer, summer league was incredibly entertaining. Like that was really, really fun. I did like six or seven consecutive shows about Jabari Walker. I was loving it, loving it. I love it. But that doesn't mean that I'm not like, I am who I am, a realist about how hard the NBA is. I, I, I watch so many games. Like, it's it's going to get tough. And, like, what happened in Vegas has very little bearing, except that the last time the Blazers won the Summer League Championship, they made the Western Conference Finals, so book it. They're headed back. All right, I got a, one more question to close out the show. That's what we'll do to end this one. So join me in the third segment. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Let's keep it rolling. Final question of the show comes from Lando Magic at Lando underscore Commando on Twitter, who asks, what is the most common finishing lineup this season? I love this question. I love lineup stuff. If you listened to the show before, um, you know my you know my thing. I think the only thing an NBA coach does once the game starts is decide who plays and when. I know they draw up draw up like, you know, four to seven plays a game out of timeouts. Um, they do some other soft stuff. They say some stuff in the locker room, but really what they do is decide who's on the court and who they're on the court with. Who plays and when is like 85% of regular season game night coaching. You do a lot of coaching before that. You do some coaching after that. But when the game starts, who's on the court is the biggest impact you can have. Because you know what you can do? You can call play and your dudes don't run it. Or your veteran point guard says, 
that's an interesting idea, but I'd rather run something else. And you run something else because they're in charge. It's just a, that's how the league works. So who plays and when and lineup stuff fascinates me. It fascinates me. I've made my guess as who I think the Blazers start this year. I think it's going to be Dame, Ant, Nas, Jeremy, Grant, and Nurk. Uh, I'm not, obviously the three spot is the question, who plays there? And in, in his radio spot today, Joe Cronin kind of mentioned that uh, he sees that that Josh Hart basically just has to play there. Like that's his path to playing time is some some small, small ball stuff, which the team kind of said they didn't want to do and then backed themselves into having to do it. They're going to play Gary Payton there. They're going to play Nas there. Uh, he, he also hinted at Justice Winslow and um, and Jeremy Grant playing center. So that's something. But like they're comfortable playing small and the plan is to play small. I still think Nas starts from day one. But starts is not close. And close is the really fascinating thing to me. So let me give you my guess first and then we'll walk back from there. My guess for the Blazers' most common finishing lineup. Who's on the court in the final four minutes, most regular season nights. Damon Lillard, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart. Jeremy Grant and Yusuf Nurkic. I think those are the Blazers' five best players. And at some point, it's why fit matters. Is I like the team more than I like the players more than I like the roster. Like, I like the dudes on the roster more than I like the roster itself. Like, I don't love that size on the wing and I don't love that move, but like, I like Josh Hart as a secondary passer. I really do. And I like him as a shooter. Like, he shot really well for the Blazers last year, even if he shoots a little bit worse. So he's got some ball handling. He's a, he's a good straight line driver and he's a good playmaker on the second side. Like that's a nice third, fourth option to have in the game. Keep Jeremy Grant Nurk in there. I think that's your best defensive front line probably. Uh, and you kind of have to have Damon Ant on the court at the end of games. That's my guess for the most common one. But I, I kind of, I toyed with this one a lot. I, why I, I include it is because this one gives me, gave me a little bit of trouble. It gave me some trouble for a couple different reasons. Uh, one, I think the team is comfortable going small, and now we've heard both Chauncey Billups and Joe Cronin mention Jeremy Grant playing center. That's going to happen. They're going to play that small. They well, First of all, they kind of have to. They, it's just like, how do you get your best players on the court? How do you also get Gary Payton on the court with Josh Hart, with Ant, with Dame? You go small. How do you also get uh, Nazir on the court with you know, with uh, GP and, and Jeremy Grant. How do you also get Justice Winslow some minutes there? You take the center out. You take the center out. Like, that's that's the way you do it. Because you can just pencil in Damon Ant for 36 minutes. Like, either those dudes are going to play a whole bunch. Um, the, the Blazers, you know, best two offensive players. Dame's are best player by a mile. Uh, like, that's just how it's that's how it's going to go. Um, Ant's not going to be off the court at crunch time. That is... Uh, even if you do the like, oh, well, Ant will be the sixth man. Like, even if you do that big brain thing, still going to play the last four minutes. <laughs> doesn't matter if he doesn't play the first four minutes. He's going to play the last four minutes. You still have the same calculation. So I think they're going to go small. I think they're comfortable with going small. But going small means not playing Yusuf Nurkic. And I think there is a real and legitimate concern that if you do not play Yusuf Nurkic, a man you just gave $70 million to, that you lose him a little bit. Nurk is a sensitive flower. Like, my man is 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 really talented and an absolute bruiser, but he has shown more times or several times throughout his career that he can get upset. He can get upset. I think in December last year when things weren't going well, Nurk was um, complaining a little bit about his role. Not like throwing a fit, demanding a trade or anything, but he was a little upset. I mean, I was I covered the games. I was, I was there in the press conferences. He was upset a little bit about his role and how everything was going move that out to like a dude not playing at the end of games, that is just, that's dicey. And part of being an NBA coach is is not just deciding who plays and when, but deciding what means, who 
when when dudes aren't on the court deciding what the fallout will be, um, you know, you want Chauncey Billups to be able to be this like great massager of stuff, but like you kind of just are dealt with the egos that you're dealt with. And I think um, you can close some games with Nurk not on the court and he'll be comfortable with it. I'm not saying that the moment you bench Nurk for one game that like you lose him. I'm saying if you do that regularly over the first 25 games, it becomes a whole thing. Like, oh, this dude doesn't play at the end of games. It becomes a whole thing and you risk not getting the most out of Yusuf Nurkic. He's the game changer for the Blazers. He's their best defensive player. He's the guy who props up their defense. You want him on the court for those reasons. It's just the problem with the I have with the Blazers roster is like, Fitting all of their good and enticing defenders on the court means sacrificing stuff at other spots. If you just say, okay, they'll close with Gary Payton, sure, but Gary Payton's not the offensive player um, either as a passer or a shooter that Josh Hart is. He doesn't have the length that Nazir Little does. Like all of, if, if you just pencil in those first four guys, Dame Ant, not, Dame Ant, Jeremy Grant, and, uh, and Nurk, you're left with a lot of imperfect options at the three. So the easiest way to like maximize that is to get more of those imperfect options in the court and give yourself a little more defensive versatility, but it's someone gets the short end of the stick. And I don't think it's Grant, Ant, or Dane. It has to be Nurk. And that's the tricky part. I don't think that's the solution. And I, I'm not even vying for it to be the solution. I don't, my closing lineup that I'll predict, and I think the best option is have Nurk on the court. Have Nurk on the court. You need the rebounding, you need defense, defense, you need the size, you need the dude who can set monster screens. Like all of it, all of it works. The reason you go small is to spread guys out, make you harder to guard on offense, make you more switchable on defense. Like I understand all of the all of the sort of basic tenets of it. And I even am excited to watch it a little bit because the Blazers getting weird will be entertaining to me. But the hardest part about me getting the hardest part about me finding real, real optimism about this team is because the combinations of how you get both best offense and best defense on the court at the same time seems difficult. I'm glad I don't have to do it. I just have to podcast about it. I think your best, I think your most likely closing lineup is the obvious one. You put your five best players on the court, but it is small. It's small on the wing and the Blazers have been small on the wing before and you've kind of seen what it has wrought. Uh, Josh Hart's probably a better defensive player than Norman Powell is, but he's a worse offensive player than Norman Powell is. Everything in this league is about fit and trade-offs, and the Blazers have backed themselves into a place where they don't have a perfect fit with any five-man group, but they've got some intriguing different options to mix and match, and the challenge for Billups will be to mix and match the right way, push those right buttons, and get the right combos on the court. Who plays and when? It's the most fascinating part of the Blazers' season, to me, to this point. That's going to do it for today's show. Come back for Friday's show. You're listening to Thursday, July 21st show. And come back for Friday, July 22nd show. We're going to have a whole bunch more fun. I appreciate you listening. And I will talk to you soon.